Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Daily Roto going for the green fantasy golf podcast. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by... Colin Drew breaking down the Rocket Mortgage Classic at the Detroit Golf Club. Uh, we just got done with a pretty exciting event. Uh, Dustin Johnson wins the Travelers Championship. Uh, pretty good, pretty good week for me at the Travelers Championship. Didn't cash the Dustin Johnson 25 to 1 ticket on the FanDuel Sportsbook, like I know a lot of people were. That was somehow, somehow DJ at 25 to 1 was a really chalky number. But the week before Drewby, he was 40 to 1. I had an even better price. And uh, didn't didn't get the win there. His number cuts in half. The public is on him. That's always a little frustrating. <laughs> but, I mean, there's nothing worse, right? If a guy you're on a guy one week, like a week too early, and then his number gets slashed in half, so you don't see the value in it anymore, and then he wins. It feels like, I mean, it's, it's like stuff like that's going to happen from time to time. It's going to happen the other way too. Um, and I think we saw that the week before with Webb Simpson, where he was available at a little bit bigger price. So the the sword cuts both ways, but it's definitely frustrating to be on the bad end of it. Yeah, it is. So, uh, you know, I, no huge observations for me last week. Um, DFS is still alive. Brandon Todd was 45% owned in round four showdown. Uh, I took approximately 0% in my MME mix. And uh, watching that round, watching every shot that he and DJ took, felt uh, felt pretty vindicated in that decision. <laughs> I played it a little bit differently than you. I had a little bit of exposure to both, but not too many lineups where they were both on the same roster. And so that was kind of how I went about differentiating thing. Man, I, the the golf tilt was was serious for me yesterday. Yep. Victor Hovland was playing lights out TD Green on the back nine. I like He had seven birdie or eagle putts within 20 feet and couldn't make a single one. The only birdie he rolled in on the back nine was after missing an eagle putt on that drivable par four from 15 feet. And so we got that one birdie. He doubled the par five. If he makes one birdie, Davis, one more birdie on the back nine, I'm winning 100K. Still came out 5K ahead on the week, so it's not too bad. But, man, I was slamming some tilt beers yesterday. I was uh, – well, it was it was an amazing week for tilt in for, you know, for everyone because Scotty Scheffler misses the cut – uh, you know, a couple other really high-owned guys missed the cut, like right on the number. Matthew Fitzpatrick was one that our projections really liked, so he was a, a unique, a unique in the field that that didn't make the cut. But we did have one great unifying moment. Sungjae uh, makes a bogey on 15, has to get a birdie coming in, comes down to 18. He's got to make one birdie to get inside the cut line and somehow darts on 18 to make the putt. That was, that's, I mean, that is just, uh, you know, it's, it's the most ideal. That That's the height of PGA DFS for sure. Yeah. My main slate was, was not great. I had some good teams in the lottery style tournaments, drive the green, Millie maker, but in general, it was a low six to six week. Not many teams were able to get all six through the cut. I think it was sub 5%. Like you said, a lot of chalky names missing, there was also the cut line sweat, like wondering whether or not those minus three guys were going to get through or it was going to move to minus four, ended up moving to minus four. And there were there were some popular names right there on that minus three number two. So 
Uh, all in all, the, the the experience definitely delivered from the sweat perspective. The results were good, but man, it, it it's tough. You don't get many cracks at six figures, so when they don't go your way, it's frustrating. Well, I mean, you get plenty of cracks. You, you get you get pr- plenty of cracks at it, especially assuming NFL Showdown is uh is going to return. But we are we are COVID. back more. Oh, oh yeah. I was, was going to say yeah. The, I mean, that was the, the other thing. Uh, the COVID testing, obviously, pre-tournament, huge storyline. Whether or not they were going to even have the event um, with the, I don't, don't want to call it an outbreak, but like the mini outbreak that was happening and. Brooks Kepka withdrew because of his caddy testing positive and then negative. Uh, you had Webb Simpson who withdrew two of the you know top five or six favorites in the field going into that. And then you mid event you had stuff happening as well. Dylan Fratelli pulling out. You had Bud Colley pulling McPutt out. And rest in peace. Yeah, Denny McPutts pulling out, and then Jason Day going out like waiting on the results for his test and not asking to go out as a single. So. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not going to get into the whole, like, my feelings on how the tour should handle it because nobody really cares or wants to hear that. But from a DFS perspective, especially in some of these showdown stuff, like, you got to be staying on top of things before lock because it seems reasonable that we're going to be dealing with this on a week-to-week basis, at least to some degree. Maybe not two of the top six favorites, but it's something that's here, at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, uh, well, it's going to be a little bit different this week in Detroit because the field is not near as strong. So Bryson and Webb are really the only two, you know, top, like, let's say, let's say top 15-ish players in the world. I guess Hideki's there, but then it drops off pretty quick to Hatton, Reed, Hovland, Sungjae. So not, not nearly as strong of a field as we have had the first three weeks back, uh, you know, going to going to Detroit in the middle of a global pandemic. Don't think I can uh, blame these dudes for not wanting to trek out there. This this golf course that they are playing the Rocket Mortgage Classic at, though, uh, it is this is a muni course, right? Like uh, what Nate Lashley won at, I believe, minus 26 last year. Like this, this is just going to be an absurd scoring week on DraftKings and FanDuel. Yeah, I mean, basically, if you ever wanted to see how, like, the tour, if you think about the toughest course in your, like, local area and you ever wanted to see public and you wanted to see how the tour players would tear that apart, I mean, that's basically what you're getting this week. Yeah. Uh, there were, so, I mean, like, the, the cut line, I mean, you you have to fire super low even to make the cut. And then minus 10 is not even really going to get you inside the top 10. You're not going to be flirting with anything. So uh, you need guys who are going to be shooting, like, five under every day, and that might not even be good enough to win. Yeah, so uh, this golf course has three reachable par fives. There is a par four, which had a 48% birdie rate on it last year. Uh, So, I mean, just... There, there are not really difficult holes here, uh, and and you know putting is really going to be a huge explanatory variable this week. Yeah, I mean, oh, your boy Bryson's going to be like going driver nine iron into some of these. It's going to yeah. be crazy. And like you said, though, the scoring is going to be super low. Whenever the scoring is low, it means that a lot of the deviation is explained by putting. Obviously, the top tee to green guys last year, they were there on the leaderboard. They were inside the top ten, the top fifteen couple inside the top five, but it was the top putters who actually won the event. So um, almost isn't even going to matter if your guy is just lights out tee to green, because if the putter's not there, then it's it's not going to be good enough for, for DFS. And like we said, like putting week to week has a lot of volatility to it. So it does mean there could be some randomness, could be some weird names, some Nate Lashley type names who win this event. Right. And I, I mean, any event where we are going to get, you know, large results that are largely based off of putting, 
Um, that to me is first off, I'm gonna want to take more stands in DFS, but also I'm like at the top, but at the bottom, like I'm gonna be willing to play dudes who I have never played before, pretty much. Yeah, I I think that's definitely the case. You can you got to figure out like what your macro approach is, but it it does seem easier to try to fade like value chalk plays just because it doesn't matter if they play really well, they have to play really well and run hot with the putter, and so. Um, that's a little bit different than some of the courses that reward the slightly more predictable tee green skill set, some of the more difficult courses on tour. And I feel like we saw some of that last week with, you know, guys like Neiman who played well, but uh, the scoring was super low and he didn't putt as well as he had the week prior. So I don't know. At the, at the top on FanDuel Sportsbook, like you said, Bryson, six and a half to one, Webb Simpson, 12 to one, Hideki and Terrell Haddon at 14 to one, Patrick Reed, Victor Hovland at 16 to one. Sung J.M. at 21, and Ricky Fowler. I don't know if you still consider him a top player in the world, but at least in public perception, he's up there. So it is not as strong of a field as we've seen the past three weeks. Well, let's uh, let's just go ahead and, and break the ice here. Uh, I did bet Bryson at 7-1. Uh, at he's now 6-1 to one on the FanDuel Sportsbook, but I was kind of just looking at it, and I'm like, you know what? He is just going to have so many birdie opportunities at this course, so many eagle opportunities. I just, like... He's got to win this event more than the the market is suggesting. Like he is truly the only world class player in this field. I know people love Webb Simpson right now, but Bryson is better than Webb. I think Bryson's better than Webb too, but Webb is world class right now. He he definitely doesn't get the respect I think he deserves for his results over the previous year. Um, but yeah, I mean Bryson, the class of the field, six and a half to one. I I think when you look at the field and you look at Bryson's ascension, it makes sense. I guess the the randomness of putting is like he feels like a stone lock to top ten. The randomness of putting is what can keep him from winning or give somebody else the chance to kind of upset him. But it, it feels like a stone lock, Bryson top ten. That should be like so, minus three hundred. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would probably bet top five and uh, and top twenty as well. So right now, Data Golf gives him. Uh, over an 85% chance or 82% chance to make the cut, 57% chance to top 20, uh, 27% chance to T5, uh, 9% win equity that Data Golf is giving Bryson. That um, I think that's as high as anyone I've ever seen other than Rory. I think that he's the only other dude who I've seen really get to that degree. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to remember, like, DJ during Prime DJ, Heater, RBC Canadian Open with the weak field up there. Might have been pretty close. Um, and that's that's kind of the comp that I'm thinking about this week, where it does feel like uh, there's there's Bryson, and then there's a big gap, and then there's, like, a bunch of scrubs kind of behind that. So um, a strategy perspective, going to have to listen. And uh, just in general, um, I, I assume he'll be popular, like 30% ownership or something like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. The, I don't think the bet is outrageously bad. It's just the the amount of putting that goes into this event could keep you. Well, if you if you I, unfortunately, if you are betting Bryson, such as myself, you can't really bet Hovland. You can't really bet Scotty Scheffler. You can't really bet Doc Redman. Can't really bet Lucas Glover. Like you kind of just have to be like, well. I guess this is the decision that I've made, and I'm betting Bryson and deep shots only, which is generally not the way that uh, that I go about betting on these events. Like, I, I would like to bet Michael Thompson in this event. I'd like to bet Kyle Stanley in this event. But it uh, it kind of seems like I've priced myself out of that one. Yeah, and I, I think you kind of take the same thing. Like, Hideki um, seems like it, in this field, it seems like a decent enough um 
price on him and Sanjay in as well. Like guys that you feel like you're getting okay prices on considering the talent in the field. But like you said, um, there's only so much you can squeeze. And obviously some of the data golf stuff thinks the Bryson bet might be negative expected value. Um, and some of these other guys may be positive, but obviously your opinion disagrees with that. So if you're going to make Bryson six and a half to one or better, then there's definitely no value in kind of that mid tier. And you got to, you got to drop to the 151 guys, and I don't remember the price on Lashley last year, but I'm I'm sure oh, he would have been like deeper. Two, like yeah, he would have been crazy deep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean Bryson, you know, he's gaining strokes everywhere, but around the green. But I don't necessarily see him being around the green all that often in uh, in this event. Well, he will he off should... the tee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so second let's... shot. <laughs> He actually hit a couple decent wedge shots, uh, you know, when he was because he was in the featured group last week with Rory. And I remember being kind of impressed. Like he's that that arm motion he has is so funky. I just always assume that uh, that his wedge shots are going to be terrible. Getting into DraftKings by price range, of course, we are starting out with Bryson. He's the most expensive player in the field. Uh, Eleven thousand seven hundred. Webb, 11 flat. Tyrell Hatton, 10.7. Patrick Reed, 10.5. Hideki, 10.2. Hovland, 10K flat. Drewby, talk me out of talk me out of WGC Mexicoing this and just just all in. We're just we're just pressing the lock button on Bryson and we're we're living with the results after that. I don't think I can be talked out of it. <laughs> I think I don't think it's an irresponsible decision um, completely, especially in MME, because a couple things like. In MME, you're going to want to scatter things out with the lower price range guys, and it's easier to do that if you lock somebody because then at least you're taking a stand somewhere. But if I have to play devil's advocate, I guess the the things you could point against it would be putting drove the most deviation in scoring at this event last year, the first time they played it. Off the tee play drove the least amount of deviation in scoring, like 10%. So it was a below average off the tee course, above average putting course. Bryson is a good putter, and he's elite off the tee. Uh, but you still have to get close with the approach and you have to make those putts. So um, if Bryson doesn't win at 11.7K, the only way he really gets in the optimal is if you get one of these scrubby guys winning because it's going to be tough to fit in Bryson and a 10K guy. So that would be the that would be my talking points for not locking him and maybe just playing like 50, 60%. But it does seem crazy uh, not to get overweight here because it does feel like a top 10 is like the the floor almost. Yeah, I mean, if he is, if you go 100% Bryson and it rolls over on Thursday morning and he's like 30% rostered, I think you're just like, well, uh, everyone else is paying the rake for me this week. And if I don't win, it's just unlucky. Like I just, I, cause I think he is like, if we're looking at, so if we agree Webb is a world-class golfer, which I'm fine with, you know, I, I kind of am waiting for the magic pixie dust to rub off of his game because for a long time, Webb was a pretty average PGA tour golfer, but Patton, Reed, Hideki, Hovland, Sungjae. I mean, these guys are good golfers, but you know, I would, I would, you know, Bryson in the again in against them in a head-to-head would be you know minus one thirty or better, pretty much for for seventy-two holes. So like, I I'd feel pretty good. I feel good about my decision before I've even made it. Yeah, and I mean, Webb. I guess what I would say is like, if you were to ask me in three years whether Webb would still be a top ten player in the world, I wouldn't necessarily buy it. But if you were to right. ask me over the next three months if he'll play like one, I think I will. And it was almost like we saw that Molinari little heater, right, where he was a a yeah. very good golfer, top fifty player for a long time, a very good top twenty player for a period of time, and then kind of rode like a heater to becoming elite for a short period, and, and now is kind of on the downswing again. That's kind of 
I guess like in the next three years, what I would expect out of Webb, but he's definitely good in every facet of the game. And that's one of the reasons that, especially on FanDuel, where it's a little easier to jam in like Stars and Scrubs or multiple top end players, I think he's more in play there. On DK, it's pretty much a choice between the two of them. And I, I prefer uh, Bryson. Imagine Bryson will be 30% owned. I don't think I've ever seen a top price player get like above 30 um, and maybe even 35 at anything but like high stakes stuff. So, uh, I can see Bryson like capping out at 30% just because of how things have shook out historically. But that would be the, the argument for Webb. And obviously, Webb's one of the best putters in the world. He is the best putter in this field over the last 100 rounds. And so, you know, putting is going to drive a lot of deviation. We know it's random week to week, but that long term, it, it does play out for the guys who are good. And so, if Webb catches the upside week, then basically what you see is what happened to RBC Heritage where he wins. And if I get wiped out going all in on Bryson, then I get wiped out going all in on Bryson. I, I am uh, I'm I fine think with that decision. Yeah. The other, I, I don't think it, you, it's hard to get see a scenario where you get wiped out, right? Like a miscut seems extremely low probability. Well, well so. T8 and uh, uh, Adam Hadwin wins at 15% and Webb T3s. I'm I'm getting wiped out at that point. Like that will be a that will be a minus seventy percent scenario. Yeah, I mean it would depend on like the six of six composition of your rosters, but it wouldn't be great. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as far as the other guys here above ten k, I think they're all fine. I think my because I think iron play is going to end up mattering so much here. My would probably favor Reed the most. Um, but I would Im- well, man. I'm seeing a 22% rostered projection for Hovland, and uh, I, you know, maybe maybe the way I will get exposure to Hovland will be in showdown and in weekend golf, but it'll be it'll be kind of hard to make that work with what I'm wanting to do with my player pool overall. Yeah, Hovland on that Sunday round, he lost like two and a half strokes putting. I swear it was all on the back nine. Just it's gonna take some uh, mental fortitude for me to go back to the well with him tonight. But his ball striking was elite. Off the tee approach game was on fire. Like he was generating tons of looks, and that's definitely the type of thing you want. I think maybe you could fit Bryson Hovland on a couple teams, uh, but with then like you'd have like four total darts um, for the rest of the guys. And yeah, there's there's not like there's not a lot to love about these other expensive guys. There's Patrick Reed. I, I think is in probably the best form out of all of them. Hoblin, the best tee to green player. Hideki, like his debut at RBC was so shaky. Granted, a lot of that was with the putter, but it's hard for me to, to feel comfortable going back to the wall with him as well. So um, I don't know, like Bryson Webb paying up there, Patrick Reed, maybe some Hoblin, but um, that would kind of be the order. I'm probably off of Haddon entirely. And I'm uncommitted to Decky, but we'll see where I shake out. Uh, so guys in the next range, Sungjae, uh, I, I like him, uh, kind of whatever the optimizer gives me. I don't think I'll mess with that too much. You know, if I'm getting, um, 15% of the optimizer, I'm fine with that. If I'm getting 25%, I, I think I'm fine with that too. Um, Ricky is going to be an exclude for me. Bubba is going to be an exclude. Kevin Na is going to be an exclude. I think Finau is fine. We have him projected right now for like a, like being on like 20% of rosters, like, which with my ownership constraints, like the way that I have it set up, it's going to be hard for me to get much of him. Uh, Scheffler, though, Scheffler feels like the one where our initial roster projection might be too high. We have him right about 20% right now. And uh, I think after how much he broke people's hearts last week with the bogeys on the par fives, I don't know if uh, the public will be as willing to forgive him. <laughs> I don't know. So 
I mean, we saw it happen with Webb, right, where he missed the cut as chalk. He comes back, and he's even more owned. We saw it happen with Sungjae. He misses the cut, comes back as chalk, and is more owned. So I think people will go back to Scheffler. He did get priced up mostly because the field strength um, dropped so much. But I think, like, if he's popping in our model, then I think it's enough to say he'll still get some ownership. Maybe it's a little aggressive right now. But um, I guess the concerning point with him was that he was losing a lot of those strokes on approach around the green. It was uh, he actually gained strokes with the putter, um, averaging more than one stroke gain in the two rounds he did play. So uh, he played a lot worse than it looked, uh, which is always a little bit of a concern. Yeah, uh, Harris English. I am. I am not. I mean, do you want to do you want to push back on Ricky Bubba or not? Do you think any of them should be? They're not. They won't be in my player pool. Do you think any of them should be? Um. I, I don't think Nah should be necessarily. R- Ricky has has not been good at all in the two events we've seen him. I guess if the ownership it ends up being super low, if, if a lot of people don't roster him, um, and maybe you go 60% Bryson and like 30% of your teams are just balanced contrarian, maybe you mix and match a couple of these guys. Ricky, obviously a world-class putter uh, if, if he does have to get hot, but it doesn't feel like a great week for him. So um, I would say Sanjay, Tony Finau, Bubba would be, I, I think I would include Bubba in my mix. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested at all. He sucks. He just, his, well, Bubba's, Bubba's best golf is, um, is past him though. He, I, I think he is getting the slight bump from no fans of the courses. I definitely think he enjoys playing without them. Uh, Rory Sabatini, JT Poston, these guys feel mostly fine. Uh, Jason Day not not making it in my mix. He seems Jason Day seems like he is teetering on the edge of withdrawal just at any moment. <laughs> yeah, Jason Day he he wasn't feeling good, so he uh, tried to take a proactive COVID test before his weekend round. So um, that tells you what what you need to know about Jason Day. Um, I guess the other thing about Bubba that came out last week was he said that he was asked if there are any guys on tour he likes playing with or doesn't like playing with. And he basically said that, like, some guys playing with him was a, tr- a two-stroke penalty. So now, in addition to having to mega scout Bubba's course history, you also have to scout his playing partners. So that's that's a tough one for old Bubba. Um, I don't know. I, I think in, in this range in general, there are solid guys for balanced contrarian teams. But if we're paying all the way up for Bryson, I think the average cost of a roster spot is like 7700 Seven, Yeah, 7.5. Yeah, so that, that doesn't leave you a ton to work with. And... I would say in general this this range, like you said, it's it's fine, but you're you're not it's not like there's a standout value that what's, you absolutely what's really love here. what's really the difference between, you know, Tyler Duncan and uh, and JT Poston? Like functionally nothing to me. Yeah, I mean I, I would agree. So if we want to add a little more color to some of these guys, like Doc Redman has been striking the ball amazing. The the chalk the chalk god. Yeah, he's forty to one on FanDuel now. And what he was like 125 or 150 last week. Yeah. Um, and Rufus Peabody touted him on the take cast that you did with him. Really interesting listen if you are into golf betting or even fantasy golf in general. I think the take cast podcast Davis did with Rufus sheds a little bit of light into one of the best professional sports betters in the world in the PGA circuits. And so um, I know he said he liked Doc a lot, but I don't know if he's liking him a lot at 40 to 1. And but like the underlying metrics the last three rounds are are great. And if you are banking on that stuff heavier because of the restart, then it's going to make him project even a little bit ahead. 
Lucas Glover, uh, hero round on Sunday. Glover, Glover is uh, going to be a big part of my player pool this week for sure. Yeah, and Glover, Glover's another one of those guys, uh, surprisingly, almost like a poor man's web. Like, I think people think of Glover as a terrible putter, but over the last like 100 rounds, He's actually been a pretty solid putter. He gains strokes every area. It's a, it's a fluid area. situation with Glover, for sure. <laughs> it's a very fluid situation as it uh, as it pertains to him. There are other great plays down here, though. Uh, I mean, Eric Van Royen, uh, EVR, like, like he is so much, he is a better player than, you know, he is a better player than RCB, than uh, Adam Hadwin, than JT Pawson. Like, EVR is like a for real good player. So I, I will be extremely happy on him. And like RCB, I think we were talking about two, three weeks ago. I forget if it was the Colonial, but he was like 7K and less than 5% owned. And we were like, this this dude can go low in certain events, like to play him at, at a cheap price and get some exposure to him. But now you're paying like a premium. He went absolutely ham on the weekend as well. He's another one of those guys. I feel like he got priced up because his performance was just this massive charge on Sunday, almost entirely off the tee too. So that was pretty pretty epic but um yeah i feel like it's a coin flip between rcb and evr on a week-to-week basis and uh if you're going to be flipping coins then you might as well take the guy that fewer people roster i'm playing i'm playing both of them for certain Uh, i'll tell you this i'll never play brendan todd again after watching him hack it around and uh, when he made the seven on the par four like that's just not a guy that I uh, that I need to be exposing myself to for the most part. <laughs> he's won. But, I mean, uh, he's won twice. Are, yeah, well, good for him. Good for good for Brendan Todd. In K range, and if you are going to be doing the Bryson, you'll definitely need to be these dudes right. So you know, Brendan Grace, uh, Kisner, probably not a guy I will find myself rostering too much. Maverick McNeely, HV3 isn't isn't Joseph Bramlett one of the uh, the Outlaw Tour. Heroes, I swear, I swear he was playing on those Outlaw Tour events in Arizona. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't recognize him from the Outlaw Tour, but I, I think his form on the Corn Ferry Tour um, was pretty epic over the past five events leading into last week at the Travelers, and he ended up having a really good ball striking week at the Travelers. Feels like a premium price at 7500 so I'm not super interested in him unless it's at, like, single digit ownership sub five percent i think would be the level um but yeah maybe he played outlaw tour events too if the guys grinding the corn fairy tour he could be grinding other stuff um i, th- I think brendan todd's more in play than you do uh i'm I, look he doesn't have to win the event to be in great lineups for a week long and yeah it was a good opportunity to get off of him in round four showdown knowing that the pressure was going to be on him and that he was going to be like 40 50 owned especially if you were going to be going heavy on dj but he struck the ball really well last week. He he was basically until that triple, he was hitting every fairway, I, every green. I can't I can't watch someone lay up on a par five and roster <laughs> them willingly. Like it like it would be better for me to it it would honestly be better for me to not have watched because I just I don't think I can ever play him again. Yeah, because I think he was good. And generally, like you said, if you're playing Bryson, you're playing a lot of guys in this price range. This price range becomes pretty important. It uh, doesn't look like a ton of people are going to roster him right now. Maybe the, maybe more will than as the week goes on. But he's popping as a decent value in the projections at modest roster percent. So uh, I think Brendan Todd is a, a fine play, especially in like a single entry. I think going like Bryson Todd and then trying to find the value plays around it out would be, um, you know, my first look at how I would start to think about a lineup. 
I think uh, one dude who might get the arbitrary Matic bump is going to be Scott oh Stallings. Because <laughs> uh, so, I, I, I knew that Scott Stallings um, had like transformed himself into like a, like a ripped dude. But I don't think I realized just how much until I saw him on the broadcast last week. This dude is like uh, a workout warrior now. I'm, I'm in. I'm, you've so you- sold me Scott Stallings. So you, you're just going to stack your roster with guys who have changed their body image over the past five years? Yeah, yeah. Well, the last, last five months, really. I mean, not because I, I think I'm going to be trying, obviously, to to get, you know, capture some top 10 equity in my lineups for guys who are not super popular. And, you know, if our, if our projections, like, I mean, the data golf projections do drive ownership because, you know, a huge, not a huge chunk, but a decent chunk of the player pool sure. is using them to generate their lineups and if there's guys you have to adjust you know that is that is pretty helpful uh, i don't think i've ever seen brian stewart play a shot but he's one of those guys that in showdown projections he's always just priced a little bit too cheap and he i feel like one one round every week he always has like some hero 64 round that ends up playing big in showdown yeah scott scott stallings he he gave me like a brief glimmer of hope that I was going to make like another 15 K cause he bogeyed the 17th. And then after watching Hovland, like miss all these putts, Stallings rolls in a birdie from like 30 feet on 18, just absolute dagger to my round four showdown yesterday. But he's one of those yeah. guys. I, I feel like he has some of those low rounds when you get on easy course, it was almost like a, if it, it, it never ends up coming to fruition. And I, that's why people don't roster him. Cause it's like a once a year type thing, but it's almost like a Matt everything where it's just like, all of a sudden, you open the leaderboard, and he's like minus five, tied for the lead. And I don't know, Stallings. I think he he's fine. I'm not super enthused about it, but I understand why you might boost him a little bit. I agree with you on Stewart. It feels like he gets hot with the putter for a couple of rounds here and there, yep. which is nice for showdown. Nobody ever plays him. Uh, this is the type of course and type of field. Maybe people play him a little bit, but um, definitely a guy there. I guess Patrick Rogers, another guy I think is pretty interesting. Been like randomly he, showing up, yeah. Yeah. And if you look back like five years, this guy's one of the top ranked amateurs in the world and had some flashes of success, nothing really sustained um, and pretty weak field. So I don't know. I mean, like it's not just Lashley winning last year. It was like Wes Roach on the leaderboard, Cameron Tringali on the leaderboard. So as far as quality golfers and the ability to, to get hot and win, I feel like Patrick Rogers is right up there. So in that range, I think those are some of the names I'm most interested in. Todd, I think, is number one. What are, until... what are you doing with Keegan? What are you doing with Keegan, man? The the course where putting drives it all. What are we doing? Yeah, what I mean, what is what is it? What is the optimizer spitting out for Keegan if you if you GM Bryson? Uh, I'm gonna okay. I'll 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 run it right now with my settings yeah. left over from round four showdown. I'm gonna guess I get a bunch of him. He's priced at 7,300 on DraftKings. He might be a guy that if you're including him in your player pool for DFS, I would I would bet him outright because if you're if you're just making that leap that he's not going to go full Keegan, you are you are making a leap that uh, he's going to have you know a, a really a really good round. Not getting as much of him as I thought, only about five percent in 215 lineups. So, not, but I have I have shuffle up pretty high. Yeah, I'd, I'd be fine playing Keegan at five percent. I think that sounds about right. I was a little concerned you were going to say he was popping in like uh, like Scheffler was last week. No, um, the guy, the guy who's getting the guy who is mega popping in the projections down here right now without any big time edits is Sebastian Munoz because he is quintessential like uh you know he's just going to be bad for 10 straight rounds and then fire back to back 63s. 
Yeah, I would say one of the things that I'm going to be trying to do this week is uh, I know a lot of these guys who like 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 Keegan or like Scheffler, a lot of these guys who are good, TD Green, but like Volatile with the putters, not very good. They end up popping. They end up being okay DK scorers, but I do feel feel like putting is going to matter a bit more this week than maybe how our default projections factored in, which is treating it pretty similar on a week to week basis. So I'm going to knock bad putters just because I think like you're going to have to putt really well. Um, so guys like Keegan, I'll probably downgrade a little bit. So Kyle Stanley, you're not playing him. Oh, I, I I think I'll still play them, but it's something I'm going to downgrade a little bit. Matters on the price range too, because um, like we said, like top 20 is, is obviously what you're looking for in this like 7k range. And Kyle Stanley is right down there. Uh, he's the candidate, I think though, to be one of the highest on value golfers of the week. So that would fly a bit in the face of what we're trying to to do, especially in Bryson Bills. It would be really easy to go Bryson Stanley, Stanley with a good showing last week. Um, we'll see. So, we'll see. So I feel like I should the, say no Stanley, but um, we'll see. Going the other way, does that mean that uh, our our boy M Thompson, Michael Thompson? Does that mean as as one of the best long term putters on tour? Are we uh, are we jamming? Are we jamming him and giving him a little bit extra credit in the optimizer this week? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think the the credit you're looking for is like one percent ownership. Like, I'm I'm all about that <laughs> this week, yeah. especially especially if you lock Bryson. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think Michael Thompson would be in play. Sebastian Munoz definitely in play. Maybe ownership follows him a little bit. Um, and trying to navigate through some of the chalk, uh, we talk a little bit about total roster cap as far as how we build some of our lineups and i think that's a really good feature to use this week and i might be even more aggressive most weeks i use it as like a dupe avoider but i might be even more aggressive this week just because of the like volatility and randomness associated with the event yeah uh i think i i think i like that idea um one one thing that i started to do in round four showdown is to avoid the um the problem of you know, your your 250th lineup being so different than your first is uh, creating like a min two group of like, you know, maybe like your 15 or 20, like absolute, like these are the dudes that uh, that you really want to play or whatever. And, and using that to, you know, get like, I guess it at the same time, it kind of fixes the clumping issue, but also prevents your 250th lineup from just like drawing stone dead. Yeah, I think that you could use less shuffle and more volatility, I think would be another approach that might get away from some of the clumping that you talk about. Um, but it also just would introduce more bad players into your player pool, which which is yeah. is fine. Like I I think uh, getting I guess we go right now just for a little bit before we get back into the player pool into round four showdown. So one of the things during this like COVID break where it's the golf's the only game in town. We have been doing ownership projections for round four. I've been pushing those out uh, late on Saturday night, typically. And so that's been another feature I've used to try to differentiate the lineups. And in the round four showdown, like I'm not trying to dodge like DJ when he's at the top of the board, but I still want unique ways to build with him in there. And so having those ownership projections is really good for that. I would also say, especially weeks like last week, weeks like this week, where it's a birdie fest, like there are going to be guys shooting minus eight. So we saw huge rounds from guys who are way down the leaderboard and all the ownership funnels to the top of the leaderboard. So you don't want to fade DJ outright when he's like two off the lead on Sunday and he's right. one of the best players in his price absurdly cheap. 
but like you can't play all the chalk and it's not going to be all the top end guys that go low. So you got to mix and match for round four. And I think the ownership projections we have at Daily Road will help with that. Yeah. And I mean, for, for this specific round four, and I, uh, I kind of thought that the only reasonable way to do it was to play either 100% of Todd and 0% of DJ or 100% of DJ and 0% of Todd because, first of all, uh, the two-stroke lead had to have been overcome by DJ. You know, you're projecting those birdie points. Those end up being meaningful. And if Todd, and if you are going heavy on DJ and he is able to overcome those two strokes, that means that Todd's probably not having a particularly good round. Um, sounds like you did not agree with that assessment, so probably something that I'm missing there. Uh, no, I, I mean, I think that's fair, but you could see a scenario where DJ shoots minus six, Todd shoots minus five, like Todd right. wins the event, DJ still did well. Like DJ, well, and because Todd was such a good price. Yeah, um, and D, DJ was a good price too, was the other thing, because he had made like a big Saturday move. The guys who end up being good values are oftentimes the guys who make Saturday moves because it seems like they price things at some point on Saturday. So if a guy makes a huge charge, he ends up being like a really good value, at least in the the opto. Um, I think it's more about the overall roster than it is like an individual choice between those two guys. But uh, I think if you're right on being like all in on DJ, then you give yourself more outs. And I know you did really well in the mini max using that strategy. So there's definitely merit to that, too. Finally, rounding up, uh, you know, the the stone punt takes uh, Tom Hoagie, 7K. Uh, I, you know, 15, 20% of my rosters, I think, is uh, is my projection for Hoagie right now. I mean, this dude is uh, this dude is just the best. He just he's going to wedge his way around. He's going to make all the birdies. That's a, an official prediction. He's he's probably the last guy in like a single entry that I feel good about clicking onto a roster and. There's some guys like 6.7K, 6.8K that I'm comfortable rostering in like 20 max type builds. But uh, yeah, I think I think Hoagie's the last guy that would, he'd be like the last man in if I had to cut off my player pool somewhere for single entry. We've got him 19% odds to T20. I'd probably cap my ownership right around there. Uh, I think field percent we've got around five right now. So uh, probably an overweight play for Hoagie. There we go. Overweight play on noted take cast guest, uh, Hollywood Hoagie. You, uh, you, uh, you love to see it. Um, Sam Burns, a dude who I think will make the player pool, Lanto Griffin, um, another guy. Do you want to, do you want to tout your old pal, Jason Duffner at 6,800 here in Detroit? No, no, no Duffner for me. Uh, I mean, I think in general, probably I usually cut my player pool off the guys with like 15% to T20 odds this week. I may let it fly a little bit more depending how aggressive I get on Bryson. So I don't know. There's there's some names here I have some interest in. Tyler Duncan, Taylor Gooch at the flat 7K, I think are okay plays. You said Sam Burns. I think he's in play there. Uh, Matthew Wolf and Aaron Wise, I think, are both pretty interesting as well. Uh, deep prices on both those guys. Wolf didn't play well last week. Uh, Wise actually had a decent showing last week for what seems like the first time in forever, and you're kind of getting a stone, pretty close to stone minimum price on him. So those were some of the guys in that high 6K that uh, I was at least drawn to a little bit in general, probably play more of this range than I do on a week to week basis. Yeah, I think this range is going to end up being important because, uh, you know, Bryson is Bryson is so expensive and we we all uh, want access to that. Going to have to going to have to nuke my boy Luke List off of here. Uh, he just you know, I'm not I'm not going to allow myself to be hurt again. But Adam Shank is going to make that list to me for for sure. 
Um, Danny Willett is coming mm. in yeah. crazy high in the projections right now, and generally that is not the case. So I'm wondering if that's just a function of field strength. Like Danny Willett is always priced down here, and generally that makes him unplayable. But in this course, you know, he's priced next to, uh, you know, last year's winner, Nate Lashley. So so maybe maybe he actually does end up being a, a solid play here now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really that's really it. He's not like 18% to T20. He's kind of priced or projected maybe like a 7K, 7.2K golfer, and he's priced at 6.6. So combine that with the fact that you're trying to slam Bryson in, and uh, I think, and you know, 1% ownership on Willett. I think that's why you're seeing things like that. Uh, I I think it makes sense. I can't really knock the play. Uh, Cameron Tringali, I think, is another guy that's popping a little bit as far as another. Uh, like 6.6 K golfer had a really good showing here last year inside the top five. Uh, not sure if that will draw ownership just because Tringali is not like a, a guy that people like to roster. Um, right. So yeah, I, I guess those are some of the names that kind of jumped out to me a little bit. And then Wyndham Clark was another one guy that can hit the ball a mile and can get really hot lights out with a putter. So, I mean, that's what he does, right? bombs it and putts it so bombs and putts that's all he does i mean that's that's kind of what you're looking for this week a little bit i mean you want the guys who obviously approach is going to be pretty important but um i'm seeing stuff playable down here this week and i don't usually see that these guys would be like at most 10 percent plays uh but in probably five percent to be to be honest but some stuff down here i think i can get on board with finally yeah, uh, I mean, Matt Jones at 6,500. Uh, note note for those of you who are using the Daily Roto Optimizer to create winning fantasy golf lineups, and I, I expect that all of you should be doing, uh, going to just go ahead and place the nice little exclude click on Steve Stricker at 6,300. Uh, the, the data golf projections, they have their reasons, whatever they might be, but uh, I am, I'm not falling for it. Steve Stricker, not going to be in the player pool for your boy this week. So, <laughs> there's a glitch man there, there's something in there some some buried data stricker winning like senior tour events getting captured or something yeah i i assume that is what it is i assume that it's that he is crushing uh on on the champions tour or something let's see the absolute cheapest playable guy probably Aaron Babley. that's for me i was gonna Aaron... say bronson burgoon at 6200 but yeah okay yeah i think Aaron Babley. they're both 6.2k right Yes, yeah, they're both down there at six point two k. That is, uh, that's about it's as low it's as low as we're gonna get. You know, that's uh, we're we're not gonna, other, we're not going yeah. to tout BJ Singh here. Yeah, we're not touting him. The only other two guys I've ever even rostered probably rostered Brian Gay like once or twice, um, and then Bill Haas like five years ago. Uh, I mean, I can't I can't say that I've never rostered uh, Lucas Beregard or. Johnson Wagner or uh, Zach Sucher, Ted Potter Jr., Hank Laboidia. These guys have all found their ways into my player pool from here or there, and I'm, I'm not proud of it, but it is what it is. Yeah. So Heath Thigala is back in the field again this week, too. Didn't debut very well or didn't fare very well in his tour debut. Um, we talked about him briefly last week. Just in the Data Golf Amateur rankings, he's not nearly as highly touted of a prospect as like the crew we saw come last year. So... Uh, until he does something, I'll probably be off him, but uh, fun name. Yeah. Um, all right. So getting into the betting markets, um, you know, okay, we already talked at the beginning of the show a little bit about our boy Bryson. Uh, I can't I can't take that wager back now. It's too late. It's already been made. We have uh, we have purchased Bryson shares at at seven to one. It's down to 
Six to one now on the FanDuel Sportsbook specifically. There are uh, a couple other guys who I think that you could wager. Um, Scotty Scheffler actually is showing up at 34 to one as a, a plus EV wager. Data Golf has it closer to 25 to one as, as what his number should be. Yeah, and I guess for anybody who is using the fantasy projections or the betting tools, uh, it's worth noting that Data Golf did have data from that charity event in Dallas, and that is factored into the projections. Scheffler won that event, and it was a decently strong field. It wasn't a sanctioned pro event, and there's not like underlying shot link data for it, obviously. And I guess you could question how motivated some of these guys were like playing for it versus playing for charity. It's baked in, so maybe he's getting a boost. because. Oh, and I know he's getting a boost because of that. You just can kind of decide how much you want to either um, account for that or disregard it and adjust the projection accordingly. He's still going to be a good play in DFS, just maybe not quite is like screaming of a value if you don't uh, trust that data. And I'm, I'm on the fence with that. So I usually dock him a little bit. Uh, Tom Hoagie, I think 150 to one, your boy. Book it. Popping, best price available on FanDuel Sportsbook out of any of the books. So Tom Hoagie, I think is a great bet on FanDuel, um, 150 to one. And then if you wanna go, I guess a little bit deeper, I think Taylor Gooch, we talked about him a little bit, 210 to one. He's projected for fantasy in a similar range to guys that are priced much cheaper on FanDuel, like 150 to one guys. So you're getting an extra 60 to one for Gooch. And uh, I don't know if you're going to fire darts, you might as well look for an extra 60 to one on your bet. Uh, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm looking to fire darts for sure, because I've, I've already kind of priced myself out of that top, you know, the, the top end of the market. And, you know, we saw Nate Lashley, we saw Nate Lashley do it last year and really not going to surprise me if we get, you know, just a, a total random, you know, up there on Sunday. Now, not, not saying for sure that that, you know, random person is going to end up winning, but, uh, you know, what Lashley minus 25 last year, a multi, a multi-stroke win. So I think Hoagie at 150 to one, um, I think Sebastian Munoz at a hundred to one or better. I, I think that one is, um, you know, I think that one is kind of reasonable. There are some other dudes, um, Eric Van Royen, I, I wish maybe that he was uh, a little bit deeper, but I really like him. I think there are 100 to ones out there on HB3. Lucas Glover is another one. Uh, you guys can tell, I just, I love to bet. I love to bet these guys deep so much. Um, <laughs> the, the, the one the one that Datagolf wants you to bet, obviously, is Stricker. Uh, I'm not going to do that one to myself. If you can get Matthew Wolf deeper than 100 to one, uh, noted already winner on the PGA Tour, uh, I kind of I kind of like him as well. Yeah, and I think one of the big things is this week. It seems like you know we we don't really think there's a lot of value on the top end guys just because Bryson does have pretty dominant win equity. I think both of us are a bit. I mean, you're even higher on Bryson than the markets are. I'm probably closer to the betting markets than I am on Data Golf as far as Bryson's win equity, and that that kind of kills some of the value. So like Hideki, I think. Data golf makes is like a decent wager, but that's probably a pass for me just because I value Bryson a little bit higher there. And then same thing with Scheffler. Like I don't quite value his win in that charity event. So um, in general, it, it seems like a week where it's longer shots. Usually when I bet these longer shots, like the 320 to one Aaron Badley types, I'm also betting them to top 20 just because there's a lot of correlation between the book prices on outrights and the book prices on top 20. Obviously, these guys are 300 to one for a reason. They're not going to win very often at all. But the top 20 bets, you're still maybe getting like 10 to one, 15 to one on those. And those are going to come to fruition a bit more. So uh, that's kind of how I would go about 
this week and seems like a week where maybe those top 20 bets are a better place than the outright betting market. There's a lower VIG there anyways, too. And, uh, you know, as we talked about on the show last week, when you haven't hit an outright winner in a couple weeks, those T20 markets, they start to become a little bit more appealing just so you're not checking <laughs> your uh, your sports betting balance there on Monday morning or on uh, on Sunday afternoon if you get settled out earlier and you're, not, there, uh, you're not mad at yourself. Is there anything worse than, like, when all of Twitter wins, that's back Literally nothing. And you, got, no. you have, like, nothing. No, and I'm like, great, awesome, great. Uh, I made I made some good plus EV wagers, and uh, of course I'm returning nothing because Dustin jo- Dustin Johnson's one of the best golfers in the world, and uh, you know he got there, so good for him. Uh, one and done this week. My thought is I will probably just use. What What do you think about using Web? Because I I missed Web. I I missed this sickening Web run for most of it, and uh, just just get him out of the way. And this will this will be a, a nice hedge for my DFS exposures, which should likely be zero on web. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. If you're ahead, like right now in the in the segment, if you use web, then I think, and you're towards the top, you need to consider using Bryson because he's such a dominant yeah. favorite to win. Uh, um, if you're behind, but you got like good finishers at the other events, then I actually think web is a great leverage play because you know none of the leaders can can win with web so if you can pick up a million bucks from web you know you're gaining on 100 percent of the guys ahead of you who have banked this win already and you can't say the same about anybody else like you know if, if you're playing the hideki or patrick reed or something like that who might be other options that are live to win the event and they win you're probably only gaining on like 80 percent of the guys um and so i think web is like an interesting leverage play if you're behind hope that he goes on like a a heater um and I'm assuming he's going to be in the field this week. His withdrawal last week wasn't for COVID symptoms himself. It was because a family member had tested positive. It was precautionary. Um, so I'm assuming he's in the field, but uh, you'll obviously want to check that. There's no reason to be concerned about his health, though. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV and the Daily Roto Going for the Green Fantasy Golf Podcast. Everyone, good luck at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and I hope that we are recapping a Bryson DeChambeau this time next week. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.